I am having some trouble with my lower back. This is not new. It has happened for 30 years of my life. What is new is that it's happening on a Sunday morning. So I'm going to preach from the pulpit today so I have something nice and sturdy that I can hold on to lest I collapse on the floor. Our text is from our gospel reading from Luke chapter 1, this amazing, amazing passage of Scripture in which we are told about that moment in time and space and history where the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and foretells of the coming of the birth of Christ. And here in Luke chapter 1, in this text, we see Luke showing us, first of all, the reality of Christmas. And then secondly, Luke is showing us in the person of Mary three responses to the reality of Christmas. So first of all, the reality of Christmas. Secondly, three ways of responding. Let's begin first of all with what Luke is showing us here about the reality of Christmas. We see this in verse 26 where Luke writes, in the sixth month, and there he's referencing the sixth month of the pregnancy of Mary's cousin Elizabeth, who was in the sixth month of her pregnancy with the little baby boy who would be known as John the Baptist. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And there, truly, with those words, we see Luke setting the story of Christmas in the world of reality, in actual history, in space and time, not a myth, not a fable. He's speaking about real people in a real location at a real particular period of time. Luke does this even more so in the second chapter of his gospel with these very well-known words, with these words that you are going to hear, have an opportunity to hear 15 times over Christmas Eve. From Luke chapter 2, these words where he says this, listen, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Again, Luke is setting the story of Christmas in the world of reality and real history. This is a real period of time. It's that moment in time when Caesar Augustus issued a decree that everyone should be registered. It even says this was the first registration. It wasn't the second or the third or the fourth registration. It was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. You know, there really was a Caesar Augustus. There really was a Quirinius who really was governor of Syria. Syria is a real place. So is Galilee. So is Nazareth. So is Judea. So is this town called Bethlehem. These are not myths or fables. This is real history. As I often say, what Luke is saying here is not once upon a time. He's not saying long ago in a galaxy far, far away. He's writing history. And we can't 
just simply say, well, isn't this a beautiful story and it's chestnuts roasting on an open fire and Jack Frost nipping at our noses and it's part of the sentimentality of the Christmas season. We love to hear this story about a little baby boy named Jesus. No, we either accept it as fact, as something that happened in reality, or we dismiss it altogether. But you see, Luke, in the very first sentence of his gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, is writing for us, he's recording for us his methodology, the process by which he went and pursued to actually write his gospel. He tells us he's writing history. He says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses, he's speaking about those who were from the very beginning of the life of Christ were eyewitnesses, He says, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, other translations say, after having carefully investigated these things, he wanted to write an orderly account that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So here, Luke is saying, look, I want you to know for sure that Christmas is real, the life of Christ is real, I want you to be certain He says his process was to carefully investigate these things. He actually spoke to the people who even from the very beginning of the life of Christ were eyewitnesses. Well, let's think, who were the eyewitnesses even at the very beginning of the life of Christ? Luke tells us in chapter 2, these well-known words, that Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Or as I said when I was in kindergarten standing before the congregation at a children's program, Mary treasured up all these things and pounded them into her heart. What actually is not too far off from what the Greek really means. The Greek there for treasuring and pondering these things is the word, is the language for memorization. That Mary was pounding the events of Christmas and all the details into her heart, into her mind. She was running through all the details in her mind to memorize these things. And when Luke says that he carefully investigated, that he went and spoke to the people who at the very beginning of the life of Christ were eyewitnesses even of his birth at the very beginning... And then he actually says that Mary memorized these things, treasured them, pondered them in her heart. What is he saying? He's giving us his resources. This is his footnote. This is his bibliography. He's saying, guess who I talked to about Christmas? Luke is telling us that one of the people that he spoke with was Mary herself. She would have been about 12 or 13 years old when she gave birth to Christ. And so this is 40 or 50 years after that. She's got a little bit of gray in her hair. But can you see Luke there writing down all of the memories of Mary? That's how we know all the details about the shepherds. That's how we know the details of our text from Luke 1 about Gabriel and what the angel said and how she felt about the reality of Christmas. Do you see Christmas is true? All of these things are true. This really happened. That God who is so big became so small. That God entered this world not with a fanfare, not with trumpets, not with a, a glory and fire on high, but he entered into this world as silent as snow falling. 
The God who was so powerful became so helpless as that little baby in his mother's arms. The God who was so far removed from us because of our sin and rebellion came to be so close. The God who was so holy, 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 who was more righteous than we can possibly imagine, infinitely righteous, is the God who, in the person of Christ, 33 years after this moment, became a curse covered in your sin and mine, the sin of the world, became sin so that you might be the righteousness of God and forever blessed. He did all of that because he loves you and he likes you and he wants to be with you forever and ever. And this is true. This is the reality of Christmas, first of all, that Luke is showing us here. But then secondly... He's also showing us various ways of responding to that reality, to the truth of Christmas here in the person of Mary, one right after another, very different ways of responding that we see all in her. First of all, we see Mary responding with fear. Verse 29 says that Mary was greatly troubled. The Greek here is very strong. This is strong language. Greatly troubled, deeply troubled, terrified, deep within her spirit. You say, well, pastor, if the angel Gabriel appeared to me in my living room, I might be greatly troubled as well. But it's not the angel or the presence of the angel which caused her to be greatly troubled. It might have been part of it. But the text says in verse 29 that Mary was greatly troubled at the saying, at the words of Gabriel. She tried to understand what sort of greeting this might be. Well, what did the angel Gabriel say to her that caused her to be so afraid and deeply troubled? It says in verse 28 that the angel Gabriel came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. That sounds pretty good. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Well, pastor, that sounds nice. The Lord is with you. We say that, Lord bless you, keep it. The Lord be with you. But what's happening here in this moment, why Mary is wondering what this means and is so troubled, the Lord is with you. She all of a sudden becomes aware that God is with her. Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel, the creator of heavens and earth, is near, is close, is with her. And as a sinful human being to all of a sudden have an awareness of the presence of a holy God coming upon you, that is very appropriately, I think, a terrifying thing. We see that throughout Scripture, do we not? When the children of Israel are gathered around Mount Sinai and Moses is there receiving the law of God and the presence of God descends upon the mountain in fire and lightning and smoke and the earth is trembling and all of the people of God are terrified. Or we think of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. If you haven't read Isaiah chapter 6 ever, or if it's been a while, go home and read Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah is commissioned to be a prophet. He's walking down the road and thinks he's a pretty good guy. But all of a sudden, he looks up, and the heavens are rolled back, and he receives a vision of God in his heavenly throne room, and the angels are crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah is a prophet, and he speaks words of woe upon himself and says woe is me I am ruined and he falls down to the ground in the presence of a holy God or take the shepherds 
who were guarding their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? Sore afraid. Thank you very much, King James Version, Linus, and the Charlie Brown Christmas special. They feared a great fear. They were terrified. Why? Well, the angel of the Lord appeared to them. But notice Luke says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they feared a great fear. Sore afraid. This is an appropriate response to Christmas, to the presence of God. And yet, just as God does in every instance throughout Scripture when his people are afraid in his presence, so he says to Mary through the angel Gabriel in verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary calls her by name. God calls you by name. He calls you by name this very moment, this very day, and says, do not be afraid. He says, for you have found favor with God. Can you imagine Mary? Me, 12, 13-year-old peasant girl from a nowhere place like Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? That's what people said about Nazareth. God has found favor with you, Mary. Can you imagine hearing those words from a messenger of God saying to you today that God has found favor with you? Well, look, I'm no angel Gabriel. But the word angelos in Greek, where we get the word angel, it simply means messenger. I certainly am his messenger. And it is my message for you today from God himself. You have found favor with God, O Christian. Not because you're so wonderful, not because you are so holy and righteous in and of yourself, but through the waters of your baptism, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have found favor with God when he looks upon you. And may I remind you of the words of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12, where the Apostle John says, to all who had received him, that is Christ, those who had believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Through Jesus Christ, as you've believed in him and by his grace, you have been given the right to be called and to be a child of God. Oh, yes, I know that. I'm a child of God. We hear that a lot. I'm a child of God. If you grew up in the church, I'm a child of God. Yes, I'm a child of God. And it maybe bounces off our heart, but slow down. You are a child of God. You are an heir and a co-heir with Christ of the heavenly kingdom. You have royal, holy blood coursing through your veins. You're not just a mere average human being out there in the world. You are royalty. You are a new creation. You are something brand new this world has never seen, Christian. Carry yourself like one who is a child of God. Carry yourself as one who is a prince or a princess of the kingdom of God. Carry yourself as someone who is noble. And do not be afraid. That was Mary's first response. It was fear. Her second response to the reality of Christmas was doubt, was uncertainty. 
Verse 34, I mean, the angel Gabriel has just said she's going to conceive and give birth to a child, to a son. And Mary says, verse 34, how will this be since I am a virgin? How will this be? There is uncertainty there. There's doubt. I mean, we think, well, appropriately so. How will this be? But can you imagine questioning an angel? How will this be? And the angel Gabriel gives her a response. It doesn't seem like much of a response, much of an answer. It says, well, how is this going to be? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Easy. Doesn't that explain it? That clears it right up. Power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. Boom, done. But then, probably sensing Mary's still uncertain and has doubts, he actually gives her evidence. He cites a recent occurrence in her own family's life of how God's power has done the impossible. It says in verse 36, Behold, your relative, that's her cousin Elizabeth, in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. That's the answer that Gabriel gives. Again, at first glance, it doesn't seem like much of an answer, but it is such a great answer. It's a very logical answer. It's a very reasonable answer. Pastor, we live by faith, not by logic and reason. Yes, we live by faith. Of course we do. But logic and reason can come alongside and support our faith. It's very logical what the angel is saying. I'll say it to you this way. You believe in God. Most people believe in God. Everyone knows deep and down inside there is a God, Paul says in Romans chapter 1. But most people in the 21st century America believe in God, believe in a God who's a creator. Lots of people get hung up when it comes to a virgin birth, to the immaculate conception. This is a barrier for so many people to believe in Christmas and believe in, I just can't believe this. I mean, this is, but if you believe in God, you believe that God is the creator of all of life. God is the source of all of life. Isn't it just logically, doesn't it logically make sense that it's possible for the God who's the creator of all of life to create just one more life in the womb of Mary, to create a zygote, an X and Y chromosome? It's just logical. Nothing is impossible with God. So there's fear, there's doubt in response to the reality of Christmas and the presence of God. Finally, in verse 38, we see faith. And it's a wonderful example of what faith is. Where Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. These are beautiful words of faith in this young girl, this young maiden's life. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. She's letting go. She's letting God. She's so humble before him. And do you see here what faith is her identity, the core of who she is, is now found in him. I am the servant of the Lord. This is who I am. I am the servant of the Lord. We can say we are servants of the Lord. We are his children. As I said, heirs of the kingdom. But this is the fundamental problem of humanity ever since the fall, and it certainly is a problem in the 21st century, a struggle with identity. 
I identify as this, I identify as this. Don't let anyone tell you who you are. You define for yourself who you are, and maybe it's your affluence or your lack thereof. It's your success or lack thereof that is defining you where you're trying to find or finding your identity. It's whoever loves you or likes you, whatever pair of arms uh, put their arms around you and holds you close, whatever it might be. We are finding our identity in so many things, and even in today's culture, people are finding the core of who they are in who they're attracted to or not attracted to. This is never happened in the history of the world that's who that's the core of who you know we were all made for so much more so much more something that can never be taken away and this is mary this is who i am she is saying how do you grow in that identity in christ and Oh, the joy and the comfort and the peace and the foundation that can never be taken away from you. How does that grow? Mary again tells us here, says, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Luke here is trying to show us the power of the word of God. He said, but there was an angel there. Yes. And if an angel, you say, well, if an angel appeared to me, yes, I would be afraid. But boy, if an angel actually appeared to me, I wouldn't doubt, I would know, and I would believe it isn't because it was an angel that Mary believed. No, there was lots of people who believed in the story of Christmas, not because of an angel, but because of the shepherds who went around and started telling everyone about Jesus being born. No good, smelly, rather shabby shepherds. I want angels. You don't get angels. You get shepherds. We have the same word of God available to us. So let me just conclude by saying this. Look at what God has gone through. Look at what he was willing to do for you to know him, to have a relationship. God, the creator of the universe, as I said, is so big, became so small, wrapped not just in swaddling cloths, but wrapped up in whatever the first century equivalent of a diaper was. God in a diaper becoming a human being, taking on frail human flesh. God put himself in a physical situation that allowed him to be hurt, beaten, killed for you. He died. Look at all what he has gone through. He punched a hole through the walls of reality. He doesn't want to just be a concept or a nice idea. He wants to be real. And if God went through all of this for you, don't you believe that he can become real to you in your heart? That this can really happen? It happens through the sacraments. It happens in the word. And oh, Advent is a wonderful time of the year to adopt a new rhythm or just have prayer and the study of God's word to take up and read the gospel. Read the, I don't know where to start. Read the gospel of Luke. This Advent, this Christmas time. The reality of Christmas, this really happened. How will you respond? To Christ alone be all the glory. Amen.